Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm drinking today. Hello and welcome back to the Pat Podcast episode. Hold on, let me look it up on my phone. 12. I kind of pulled back from the camera, the different camera angle of the last podcast. It it seemed a little bit over the top and the audio quality suffered a little bit. And for those of you that listen to it, I'm really sorry, but I appreciate you listening to it anyway. I was trying to do something new. I really liked the the, the image on it. And who knows, I may even try it again once I'm a little bit more familiar with the Canon 60 Mark II. Which, by the way, I was lucky enough to be able to use a Canon 60 Mark II because my employer purchased one for the office and was gracious enough to let me borrow it so I can figure it out and learn how to use it better for our marketing. Also gave me permission to use it for whatever side projects I want. So that helps me kind of learn at the same time, improve the quality of the Jackass Express stuff that we do. I don't want to become this overly pretentious person. Oh, I got a super camera, so therefore it should, uh, I have to do cinematic masterpieces. I mean, I, I really wanted to do something different. I wanted to do something unique. It's very hard today in the YouTube atmosphere, which is kind of what this episode is about, is uh, more YouTube atmosphere stuff. And things that I've observed as a content creator trying to make it in the current oversaturated sea of YouTube videos out there. And especially YouTube podcasts, because if you watch any YouTube advice style video, it's always, hey, make your video super short, and then also make sure you say your topic at the very front. Hey guys, today we're going to learn five super tactics about making it on YouTube. I can't stand those people. I mean, I, I get it. I really do. I love those guys. I actually watch a few of them. Uh, Sean Canal is actually one of my favorites. I, th I think he comes across... He's a good example of that thing, but I, I feel like he genuinely likes what he does. That's the difference, is that other people who do stuff like that, I feel like they're doing it because they were told that that's the script that you have to follow. But he seems to genuinely enjoy helping people, and so I, I'm, I, I like that. I think that's cool. The thing that gets me about YouTube is that it was created as an intention for people to express themselves. These two guys in a garage created YouTube and they actually had to pay people to put videos on their channel so that people would get the idea of what it was. People didn't know what it was when it first started. Eventually it caught on. You got the history of dance, you got all these veterans of the YouTube atmosphere. It, it seemed almost instantaneous the support that the community showed for one another. Mind you, I wasn't a part of that initial community. I wasn't a part of that community until roughly about 2008. It's kind of like when you have a friend in real life and that friend in real life starts a band and you want to be a part of the band, but 
you know that you can't play any instruments, so what do you do? You go around singing the praises of this of this guy's band. It's like, hey, my my friend uh, uh, Julio over here, man, he's a really good xylophonist. He can xylophone with the best of them, and he also sings um, country rock while he does it. So it's super fascinating because you, you wouldn't realize the interpretation he does with classic rock and a xylophone. It's actually quite impressive. You know, you're you're praising the medium because you like it. You like the music scene. You want it to always be a rock star with a xylophone, right? It's kind of like also with baseball, too, where if you can't play baseball, usually you end up, what, coaching it or you announce it, right? You love it. So you want to share that passion that you have for the um, activity with others through, the, through, through your own talents, through your own abilities to do that. And YouTube was no different for me. It was like, oh, man, I, look at this. People are making their own television shows, but it wasn't television. They're making their own shows. What is this? I got to stop doing that where I trail off to the side. Where I go off to the side. Is that therapeutic to some of you? Should I do that more often? It was always impressive to me, those that stuck with it. Because two reasons. One, it was a lot of work. Two, you did get feedback pretty quickly because there wasn't a whole lot of people. For those of you that don't know much about my background, um, I started on a channel called Celticorn. And you might see that logo sometimes pop up on the screen and in a, a shameless self-plug. I, I haven't really posted a whole lot to that channel recently, but I do enjoy the background stuff I did. And it's not because I think it's a top-notch stuff, but because it, it shows the development that I've gone from till now. And it, it to me, that's cool that someone could actually see my progression, how I got better or how I stagnated or stayed the same or got worse. And to me, that's really important because at least I can have a visual representation like a mirror of how far I've come. And that helps me get better, make changes where appropriate, and not necessarily become complacent with where I'm at. Or think, oh, I just put up a video, it was really good. Because you want to break into the YouTube game, that's where you start is I'll just, I'll just, I think I'm really good, I have a great idea. And then you actually sit down with a pen and a paper and you're like, oh, crap, I know nothing. My big contribution was in 2008 when I started a series called Honor Guard vs. Drill Team, and then I learned a lot about what not to do. I'll put it that way. And a lot of it was overblown audio. A lot of it was, like, weird-cut Honor Guard stuff. And, like, I was using a reference earlier about wanting to support someone that's in the band. I came across a site called Machinima.com, the channel, and through them I learned about Harabek, who did um, pregame lobby I learned about um, Rooster Teeth. Well, not through Machinima, but through the medium Machinima, which was weird that the company named themselves after a medium that, if you think about it today, they don't represent anymore. And um, John Graham, of course. I've seen, I know how hard this is. I, I've tried the Machinima game. I've tried doing Halo videos uh, with the limited uh, production skills that I had back then. And I know it's hard, even with the little, and the half-assed things that I would do too. I mean, I would half-ass the scripts. I would come up with it online if you listen to some of the videos you can actually hear me clicking the controller i mean the sound quality is awful the but john kind of had a better idea he had a better grasp at least than i did of how the production process worked and he continued he persevered through the course of seven plus season now he's on his eighth season it's a totally different discussion and it uh it was inspiring it's like it wasn't what he was making necessarily that inspired me. It was the amount of effort he put into a project, not knowing for sure whether or not it would have a return on investment. I'm not talking about monetary necessarily, because why do people create things and put it on YouTube to begin with? It's to 
quiet that voice inside of us that has this desire to want to create. I, I said at the beginning of this, this is almost like a therapeutic thing that I do, the, the Pat podcast, right? His way of quelling that creative voice inside of him was the Arby and the Chief show. And he made several other shows too. And they're, they're entertaining in their own right, but they're entertaining for different reasons, which is why I understand now that he doesn't care for them anymore. But at the time, they were very educational because he was doggy paddling in the ocean of what was to come, which was YouTube as an online broadcast system. I mean, you basically had free reign to broadcast yourself on an open, widely searched medium such as YouTube. And he had no idea what should go out there, but he put something out there. It, it satisfied that creative side of him, and he was able to make a paycheck off of it, so it wasn't that bad. And uh, it, that's where all YouTube content creators, I think, struggle because we get wrapped up in a big problem I like to call perfectionism. And perfectionism is the worst enemy of any creative mind. We struggle with two very powerful concepts in our mind. One is, this is a cool idea that I came up with while I was listening to a really super awesome song. I wrote it down. I listened to the song again. It was awesome. I want to bring it to life. I don't have the resources for it, but I'm sure I can kind of do it. So I'm going to try my best and I'm going to get it to where it needs to be so I can share it with other people and they can enjoy it too. Okay, that's that's the creative side. Then you go into the world where you work for a living and you you learn that people are very critical of everything. And you watch YouTube and you watch other people and you see how people detriment a person's creative mind. So you're like, yeah, you want to be a part of that crowd. You're like, yeah, he's right. The guy who criticized him, hmm, he could have done that better. Hey, he could have done that scene better. But they have no idea what they're doing. They're just kind of like, you know, that insecurity. They want to make fun of something is a whole different topic entirely and you create this weird idea of I can satisfy the minds of all these people and that's what I summarize as perfectionism I can satisfy everybody's opinions of what I'm about to create I have a really cool idea on the other hand of what I want to do and I think people will like these things don't work together they're like trying to put together a seatbelt of two of the same sides you know how one is the uh, one is the buckle and one is the little latch thing and it goes in and then it buckles and it's like, hey, that works. This is like putting two totally different buckles together and you're wondering why they don't fit together. It, it's impossible to have a really great idea and also want to satisfy what everybody really likes. In a very egotistical mind would think that that's possible and it's thought it's possible for the longest time, but it's simply unrealistic. You got millions of opinions from people all around the world, which is what makes it so great. But why do you choose the people that you watch? Why do you subscribe to the channels that you watch? Why are you now choosing to subscribe to this channel? I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, if you'd like to do that, that'd really help us out. But seriously, you do it because you align with that person's opinions, or you think their opinions are funny, they're amusing to you, they you, you entertain that idea, that way of thinking, and it allows you to kind of have this uh, relatable experience with the person that you're watching. Now, if that person that you're having that relatable experience was trying to be perfect, their objective is to relate to everybody. The perfectionists, they want to please everybody, which in itself is an imperfect idea, so it makes no sense. It's illogical. You can't please everybody with an opinion because someone will differ with your opinion 
Sometimes people will differ with your opinions simply because they can. You know what I mean? I was actually listening to this podcast that talked about how you should interpret criticism online. And the negative criticism, unless it's constructive criticism, can be interpreted one or two ways. Which is, I'm not sure how to feel about your content, and the success that you're getting is making me uncomfortable. And that's what you surmise all the negative comments out there towards your thing if they're not constructive. Like, hey, I couldn't hear it very well. Maybe change the audio levels. Or, hey, you know what? It'd be cool if you had a visual stimulus in the background that was more represented more of what your show that you're talking about or something like that. That's constructive. But something that's just like, this is stupid. It's, it's, it's really loud and, and stupid. I mean, there's no specifics. It's just these overgeneralizations. You know, you, you, can, you can really discourage yourself and you can really not under, you can't, you'll really lose something really cool if you get into that type of criticism. But really, if you're listening to people saying, I'm just um, not sure that I agree with the fact that you're doing the thing that I could probably do better because then you fall back into the perfectionism thing, right? And they're uncomfortable that you're actually doing anything, so their only objective in life is to try to control what you're doing, and it and it just it just doesn't work. It creates this endless cycle. And I'm not I'm not blaming people for their opinions. I think it's great that people have opinions. How does anybody get any better if they don't have their opinions? They you have to have opinions, otherwise you can't. Uh, do yourself but what I love about it is that if you accept the fact that your opinions aren't fact then you shape yourself you shape who you are as a, as a content creator and you become a unique voice because you're saying I like this I don't like that but if you're trying to also please everybody else online and every single one of their preferences it's not possible and you know how you know it's not possible because there are still people that hate Disney there's still people that hate Fox. There's still people that hate CNN. There's still people that hate MSN. There's still, I mean, everybody's just, I mean, they're contrary for the sake of being contrary. There's no liking. Everybody will like one thing entirely. I think the lessons you learn on the path of trying are so much more important than trying to match perfectionism because no one is going to agree with you 100%. Not everybody's going to agree with you 100%. But if you're fortunate enough, you will find that small group of people They'll be like, hey, this is pretty interesting. I'll listen to it while I'm driving to work or while I'm driving home or while I'm drinking a beer. And Which, by the way, I don't want to get off topic, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to save this just a little bit here. So then I think the question that everybody has is, well, then why even bother doing YouTube if it's such a stressful environment, right? Well, again, it goes all back to what do you do to quell that creative voice? What do you do to keep that creative voice alive? That's an even better question. Because we live in a world where creativity is in front of us all the time. Where we have people who are making one, making vlogs, making video series online, making music, making games. I mean, oh my God, sometimes the best games are, are sponsored out of these independent communities that come out of nowhere and it's quite even bother getting involved with these mediums that you know are going that's already oversaturated because of that voice because of that voice you get into this you have an outlet and that outlet is so important because you never know what can happen you never know where your voice can take you, you never know and when I mean voice I don't mean literal voice like my fat voice is going in through here I'm talking about your animations, your drawings, your music, your uh, opinions on life, your um, 
your cooking. I mean, there's so many great cooking channels out there. All these wonderful things that you have that are unique to you that you want to share, put them all out there. You know, put some pride into it, obviously. Don't just throw crap out there. But, I mean, just do it. Throw something out there that, that – and, and it doesn't even have to stick because if you turn your desire for success from fame and money and viewers and subscribers into this is something that I can do for me to get this voice out so I don't have to feel this like I could do it if I had the time or if I had the talent or if I had you can take that desire and take it and, and set it out of you I mean I've, there's a saying that says don't die with the music inside you right who knows I mean you could have a podcast you could have a show that 20 years after you're dead somehow some future civilization discovers it and suddenly you're the most insightful wonderful person in the world you know and you'll never know that but the point is is that they never would have had that if you didn't have that innate desire to just get your your stuff out there so don't be discouraged by the sea of YouTube stuff should you base all of your income and your future and drop out of school and drop out of college and just do nothing but YouTube and twitch and streaming and all that stuff they do nowadays absolutely not absolutely not there's gonna be people that are gonna say follow your dreams follow your dreams and and pursue them and you will make it if you keep working hard there's people that have done exactly that and they've lost their family their relationships their friends because they believed in this idealistic concept that that happens it doesn't happen that way the way that I would advise you to do that is create a foundation for yourself first I don't care if you work at a McDonald's I don't care if you work at a subway I don't care if you work at a Burger King if you work at a Kinko's if you work at a bus station if you drive the bus if you do work at the dollar store work work in a real solid job create a financial foundation for yourself and at the very least create a place where you're gaining experience from something that's useful in the traditional job sense first that's so important because if this falls through, you need to have something to fall back on. Or do this while you're in college because then your job is to be at college and then do this and, and then focus on what your job is in college, which is to learn how to make this better. And then maybe if this doesn't work out, you can do this for somebody else, which will help you elevate you know, your, your skills anyway. Like you're, you're in enough of a peace of mind to do this without fear that you can't put food on the table. But have something structurally founded so that you can have the peace of mind to do something like this, you know, succeed or fail. I'm very grateful that, you know, I get to do this as a hobby. I get to do this as a fun thing. And there's no real pressure for me to have to succeed on it. There's really not. It's just me wanting to make people laugh. I love making people laugh. I think it's, it's the 100% my favorite thing to do is to make people laugh, especially at themselves. Because people take themselves way too seriously. Ever since I've been in high school, people have taken themselves way too seriously, and I cannot stand it. Even I've been known to take myself very seriously. I'm sure there's times here, even in the podcast, that I've taken myself too seriously. And it, at the very least, it's uh, uncomfortable. At the very best, it's dangerous. Because you think that you're something that you're not, so you try to live up to this expectation that doesn't really exist and doesn't matter. It's like these people who think that you have to film everything in 4K nowadays when 1080p is all anybody watches. And you know how difficult it is to edit 4K footage? I mean, it destroys your computer if you have too much of it. It's beautiful if you downscale it to 1080p. It's great. But then why not just shoot in 1080p to begin with and save yourself an editing nightmare? 
Because the reality is, I mean, what people listen to, the content that you're absorbing through it is way more important than what you're seeing. I want to I, I point out the fact that anybody who's ever done, like, studied with YouTube, again with YouTube, to learn how to do editing, audio editing, uh, voice acting, anything like that, they go to a YouTube video, right? And do you always necessarily listen to the person that has the best video and audio quality? No, you go to the person who had a camcorder inside of a classroom and they're recording their teacher saying really interesting things and you're looking at the bullet points on the on the screen and you're trying to understand what they're saying and, and it educates you so that you can create better quality content. It's such a obvious approach to doing a medium such as YouTube, but we always forget that you don't need the best equipment, you don't need the best image, you just need the desire to do it, and desire to do it the best of your ability, and people will come to you because you have something to say. Also, people are afraid of being made fun of. I, understandable. It goes back to the perfectionism thing. You're not going to please everybody, and not everybody's going to like you, and honestly, there are people, because I've seen them, and maybe one time I was one when I was young and ignorant, where you make fun of people just for the sake of making fun of them. And to get a reaction out of them. Isn't that weird? You want the person that you're criticizing to notice you. That should tell you something about your insecurities. You know what I mean? But don't be afraid to invest in your content, in what you're trying to say. Like me, I'm realizing that the Jackass Express, we make fun of people who take themselves too seriously. Or they try to do something way too over the top and they think they're going to get this outlandish result that's going to make them this crazy hero. And I mean, I'm okay with trolls. To be honest with you, I like trolls because they make the internet funny. But the only way you can withstand trolls is if you understand the concept of not taking yourself too seriously because they feed on people who take themselves too seriously. I'm not saying that it's okay to be negative or mean or cruel or whatever, but if you can't take a joke, you shouldn't be on the internet, period. You should not be on it. You have to be able to take jokes, and even jokes you don't understand, because that's the name of the game. You have to be able to learn to take criticism and humor and then understand how to filter it in your own mind. There has to be a filter in your head like, I'm receiving this information this is happening. I'm receiving this information. I'm going to compute it this way. But so many people take things at face value. I don't like you. He doesn't like me. Why doesn't he like me? What? That person said that they don't They don't like what I said. What did I say that was so wrong? It's that perfectionism again. And a really dumb, mean person. <laughs> no, but seriously. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there to get that creative outlet out of you. And if you're going to let the things every single content creator has to deal with uh, you know break you then you're doing it for the wrong reasons and I don't think you should shortchange yourself into thinking that you can't do something creative and awesome just because you're afraid of people's negativity negativity is everywhere do you know what people say about you when you're driving you pro this is the best example oh my god hold on I just thought of this and then I'll get to what beer I'm drinking. You know when there, there's road rage. Everybody has road rage. I have road rage. I've talked about this before where the person in the other car doesn't know what they seem to frick the dirt, what the frick they're doing. You get to the four-way stop. They get to the four-way stop. And it seems like they race up to the four-way stop. And right when they get there, because you've been going the speed limit, right? But no, they're battling you to the, to the bloody four-way stop. And they get there. And then all of a sudden they stop. And then they look at you and they're like, what are you going to do? Do I go or do you go? They're in such a hurry to get to the stop sign to look at you. I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, but I will say this. They are idiots. They are complete 
and total morons, and they're driving so fast to go nowhere. They're in such a hurry to go nowhere. They are, I mean, all these bad things I'm saying about them, right? You don't think that other people in other cars are saying bad things about you? Oh, man, that guy, he was going so slow. Now I, I have to wait for him, and look, he's not even paying attention. I mean, that's the guy from the other person's perspective, right? The only difference about that is that you can't hear what they're saying. If you could hear what they were saying, would it affect your driving? Would it make you upset? Would it make you stop driving completely? That's kind of like how YouTube is. You can hear what the other drivers are saying. You can hear what the other content creators, the other viewers are saying. Is that going to stop you from making content? It's the same problem. If you stop driving, you're going to limit yourself and you're going to hurt your you're going to hurt the reason that you drive in the first place to get to where you need to go and to do the things you're supposed to do. And if YouTube is a place where you express yourself creatively and you get you get that, you know, ability to release this voice into the void and you're letting other voices stop you from doing that, you're hurting yourself. What I do now is that I kind of I kind of pray for the person in the car next to me and I'm like, "You know, God, please don't let that idiot hurt anybody else now." And I've been in situations where I've been honked at or I've almost been hit. And it wasn't my fault, by the way. And those are the worst ones when it's the other person's fault, but they still honk at you because they're like, I'm not joking. I've actually been in a situation where I'm going to get, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite, but here we go. Where I'm traveling down a street next to a park and a car is coming at me, full on coming at me the wrong way. They went, they turned the wrong way. They don't understand how the road works. They're, uh, and it wasn't even an elderly person. It was just like a normal person that didn't know what the hell they were doing. I honked at them because I was trying to warn them, you're going to kill yourself. You're going to kill yourself and whoever else is in that car, by the way, because you're going the wrong way. And I get honked back. I got honked back. He was clearly wrong. He was going the wrong way. He was on his way to kill himself, and he didn't know any better. I mean, that's the very definition of, uh, if not 100% stupid, of 9,000% dangerously ignorant. So dangerously ignorant, he'll use a percentage that doesn't exist like 9,000%. And he honked back at me. So there's proof positive for all of you that are wondering that there are people that are 100% wrong and they will still criticize you even when you're trying to point them out right. And you know why they'll criticize you even when you're 100% right? Because they're embarrassed that they are wrong. They're embarrassed that they are wrong and that you caught them being wrong. And you know what's going to end up happening after, they, after they've been caught and they, after they've been, you know, sent to the side and all that, they're going to feel bad about it. And they're going to be like, oh, man, I wish I never did that. Why did I honk at that guy? It was just such a lame thing to do. That Oh, man, that, that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that to that guy. And you're going to go about your day thinking, why did I honk back at me? I was just trying to help him. It's hard to believe, but a lot of people do that. Don't do that. Continue with what you're doing. Listen to the constructive criticism of others. Listen to the person who's honking at you, telling you, hey, you need to drive the right way. Don't honk back. Fix it and keep going. And certainly, 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 certainly do it because you want to do it. Do it because you're having fun doing it. You're having fun entertaining people. You're having fun laughing or making people laugh or whatever. If you're doing it solely to make money, you're, you're in the wrong business. It's the wrong business. I'm not even that good at this. And I can already tell you're in the wrong business. Do you really want to do this? Anyway, I'm going to move on to a different topic because I think I've been on that for quite a while. 
So yeah, basically, you want to be on YouTube, be on YouTube. It's not like anybody I tell that wants to be my friend. You you think you're my friend? You're my friend. Bottom line, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what's going on. If you think you're my friend, you're my friend. Period. End of story. Don't think about it. Just do it. Now, I told you about how I got the Canon 6D Mark II, right? And how excited I've been about that and how I don't want to be an overly pretentious person with it. But, oh, my God, that thing is so freaking awesome. Oh, my God, that thing is so awesome. I don't know what I'm doing with it. I'm like a toddler. I told my cousin this because he's actually taking a class in this in, like, a, a photography and he's learning all the technical terms for it, the aperture, the ISO, and all the stuff that I'm learning by watching YouTube videos, right? I felt like a, a toddler that was given a tank. There was a story not too long ago in Virginia about somebody who got a hold of a military vehicle that wasn't a tank. It used to be a frontline assault vehicle thing. And the cops were chasing it down. And they were like, you idiot! And he was on, like, some drug. And he was, they stopped him. And they were like, what were you doing? I was following orders. It was this hilarious thing that happened. Thank God nobody got hurt. But you know the guy driving that tank? That was me. What's a camera. I'm just going around filming things like every anything I could I could possibly think of I could film. It was so cool. It was like oh my god, I'm holding the thing that uh, Peter McKinnon and Casey Neistat are holding and doing the thing. And I and I mean I had to stop myself and be like, okay, stop, 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 stop. I know nothing about this camera. <laughs> I need to talk to my cousin who's over ten years younger than me, so he can teach me what to do. With and also, thanks to YouTube, there's a lot of advice out there on how to do this stuff, right? So that helped me out a lot. So I filmed something pretty cool. Uh, for those of you listening to the audio podcast, you're not going to be able to see this. I do invite you to come to my YouTube channel so that you can see this at this point. But I'm going to play real quickly something that I shot at Johnny's house, my brother's house, just so you can get an idea of how over-the-top and terribly naive I am with this stuff. So here it is. Okay, bear with me here. I think that's awesome. I think that's cool. It was, I'm sure someone who's been experienced in filmmaking for a long time and doing the whole B-roll thing, uh, to them that's like, oh my God, that was so awful. You, The lighting wasn't right. You could see yourself in the mirror. Do you like looking at yourself, fatso? Oh my goodness, you must really love looking at those love handles. You must love, I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm still learning, okay? But it was so freaking cool when I finally got that product put together and I was able to get it out there and and uh, uh, just show it. I mean, I'm. It's part of a of another series I'm going to be doing called um, what? I don't know if I want to announce it here, but there's another series I'm going to be doing. It's a vlog style thing. It's it's meant to replace the JE report because I felt bad that the JE report just ended. And uh, it was just so much fun. And I was at Johnny's house, and uh, it was a perfect timing. I got to record everything I wanted to do. I got to um, – Johnny has this insane front room that is just full of all this alcohol. And it sounds terrible. It makes me sound like an alcoholic. But imagery of it is alone. So amazing. It gave me chills just looking at it and thinking, what can we do with this? The, the song on there is actually from EpidemicSounds.com. Very cool website. Um, and no, they're not paying me to say that. I wish they were, but I'm not. And uh, there's actually another song that I really wanted for this, but it's from a friend. And uh, he's, he, he's struggling right now. He's, he's having some rough times. And, uh, you know, I hope you keep him in your thoughts. Uh, I don't want to get into his personal life, but 
you know, he's a typical um, struggling artist as well. It's kind of like it's part of actually part of the reason why I started this video is because I was thinking about him. I really wanted a song that he just came out with two days ago, and it was so good, and I wanted to add that to the video. But I tried contacting him, and he didn't respond, and that made me nervous. And I'm like, oh, man, come on. I mean, not just because of the music, but because I worry about him. He's such a talented dude. I don't want him to think that, you know, like, I'm bugging him just for music. But it's like, you're, it's the same thing. It's like, you're so freaking talented and awesome. Why would you feel down about yourself? Especially me, this talentless hack. You know, come on. You got, uh, anyway. I was so excited about that. It was great. Don't worry about my friend. I know he's going to be fine. I, I, I believe he's going to be fine. I, God's going to take care of him. I was so excited to do that, but it also is its an eye-opening experience because now I'm trying to look like the big boys. I'm trying to, look, to capture the same feeling as some of my inspirations, and that's hard because what you do when you do that is you invite people to criticize you and compare you to the same people you're trying to emulate. And what's sad, though, which is a weird kind of mixed, messed up compliment, is that they will compare you to your heroes and say, oh, you're just trying to copy so-and-so. Well, to me, that's a compliment. It's like, did you really look at my thing and think of him when you did that? Hell yeah. I will take that as a compliment. So not every bad comment is a bad thing. If they're thinking that you're copying somebody else, that means you're like, you thought of that person when you saw my thing? That's awesome. So don't be afraid of, I, I'm not saying don't plagiarize people, please. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't be afraid to do what you love to do, what you love seeing other people do. Do your version of it and then continue with it. And eventually, naturally, not because you were criticized to, you will develop your own style of doing it and you will become something different and unique to yourself. And at the very least, and even if nobody likes it then, it was yours. You know, you put forth your best effort. You didn't put forth some other person's best effort. You put forth your best effort. And that's what really matters. And that's what's freaking awesome. And that camera is freaking awesome. And I don't deserve that freaking camera. And I love it. And I'm going to keep using it. And hopefully you guys will enjoy seeing it. And once again, for the audio listeners, if you didn't see that, please go to our YouTube page, Jackass Express. You know our logo. You'll see my fat face on there. Get on there, look at it. I think you'll enjoy it. Maybe even subscribe so that you can continue to do that. And then apparently there's this bell thing that everybody said that you're supposed to hit. Uh, hit the bell. All right, kids, I'm going to tell you something very important about YouTube here. Everybody gets upset about the call to action. I'm going to tell you about the call to action, which is, the, hey, everybody, make sure you subscribe to my channel and hit the little bell so that you get updates whenever we release a video. If you're like me, you're very critical of that stuff. And it's not so much that they say that, it's how they say that. And there's plenty of people, Nick Neiman do, does a great job, Sean Cannell does a good job, and there are some people who don't even bother with doing that, like John Graham. But it, that stuff does work, and mostly it's because you're trying to reach the audience that doesn't understand what that stuff is, which in my case, I'm 32, I'm trying to reach the people above me, which are in their 40s and 50s and 60s, and they're the ones you're trying to teach how to do that stuff because they have no idea how to do that stuff. I know because I work with a couple of them. And when you do that, it, it, it reassures them and they're like, I like this person. I hope I know when his next video is coming out because I just enjoyed watching him. Well, when you give that call to action, they're like, oh, there's a bell. Okay, click. <gasps> Subscribe. What does that mean? Click. And then they call their grandson. Grandson, come here. What's a subscribe? What's a bill? 
How does that work? I want to watch the fat-faced kid and... And that's how it works. So, so yes, don't get mad at the people who are doing the call for action. Actually, do them a favor. Subscribe to them. Because if you're under that 1,000 subscriber and under 4,000 watch hours, at least when you subscribe to somebody who's like that, you're going to 99% get a subscribe back. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. As a content creator who's having to deal with trying to get to that stinking requirement, damn it, I am so mad. I am so mad because earlier this week I had I, I had tried another beer and I wanted to share my frustrations with it and I think I'm going to here because I'm going upon an hour here and I don't want to uh, I don't want to spend the whole hour doing it but I'm going to do this real quick okay I'm going to create a rule unless I have the bottle I'm not going to do a review on a beer that's my rule unless I have the bottle to show you guys so here we go uh, Budweiser. Red Lager. Here's an image of it on the YouTube video once again. Sorry, audio listeners, but if not, I will try to post it somewhere on my Twitter or something. I had another type of Budweiser product earlier this month, and I want to talk about that very differently. But this is important because this beer came out recently, and my brother... Jonathan first tried it and he was telling me about it and he didn't care for it. And I was like, oh man, that's a shame because I love red beers. And it says red lager right there. And then there's a Christmas style Budweiser beer called Amber Ale. And that's delicious. It's amazing. Budweiser Amber Ale. But that's a different type of beer. It's not this one. The Freedom Reserve Red Lager. You can't see it very well, but there it is. And then Brandon tells me that he's going to try it. And Brandon's in Germany, so his tastes have been altered, refined, whatever, by being in Germany, where they serve beer at room temperature and at more so than they serve Cokes. Uh, you go to a restaurant here in America, they ask you if you want a Coke. Over there, they ask you if you want a beer, and it's the same price, if, if not less expensive. You know? Not as much sugar, I suppose, but more bread. You don't get diabetes, but you still get fat. In any case, I thought, oh, man, there are two people that I greatly respect their opinions on, and they both tell me that it sucked. What do I do? What do I do? I go out and buy the beer. That's what I do. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is my fourth one in two days. This is my fourth beer in two days. And it, if you look, it's inside my Vikings glass, which this is this glass is saved for very special beers. I'm impressed with it. I like it. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. For as economy beers go, Miller's, Coors, Bud Lights, not bad. It's got that flavor of a red beer to it. It lacks as it goes like when you start off right it sounds it, it, it's good it's got that heavy flavor to it and then it just kind of tapers off and you're like oh man but then you remember it's Budweiser you're like well well I guess for the price that wasn't too bad you know it's kind of like you hire a uh, magician on discount and then he only does three tricks and you're like well that doesn't explains why he only charged five bucks because he only did three tricks but three of the tricks were good well they lasted they were super awesome but there was only three of them you're like oh okay so and it it I feel like it has a very tasty red thing to it and I am not I don't consider myself a beer connoisseur. I consider myself a beer snob, but not super beer snob. Not like Sax or like, or like Johnny or like Tip. I think I think it's a solid beer. It's a solid beer, and I could see myself buying this again. And in fact, I think I will buy this again at some point in the future. All right. Well, that was my review of the Budweiser Red Lager. I didn't talk about the full body taste or the calories or the status of Budweiser being owned by somebody in Europe. 
And then Thaddeus said, hey, I tried it and I liked it. And this is why I liked it. Well, that should be enough, I think. I don't know. Try it. If you don't like it, don't don't try it. I don't care. So I really appreciate you guys watching this. Uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash, uh, what is it, C slash Jackass Express. If not, just go to YouTube and type in Jackass Express because now if you don't have enough like subscribers or views or whatever, they don't give you the option to even change your YouTube slash Jackass Express. So just look for us. You'll recognize our logo. Subscribe to us. Uh, make sure you check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Jackass Express. And also we have our blog spot, which is now our website. Oh, that's so if you type in jackassexpress.com, you're going to go right to our website and see all of our updates, uh, basically everything we do on YouTube, plus a little bit of extra stuff. Our, our You'll see our um, very well-organized archive on the side. You click archive, and there's all our past stuff, so you can go check all that out. Uh, Father's Day is coming up. Uh, nothing like getting your father a great brand-new Jackass Express T-shirt and or coffee mug. Something to think about. I would enjoy a coffee mug for, uh, with the Jackass Express logo on it. I really would. Uh, thank you again for watching this. Uh, we are also on iTunes, so make sure to check that out. Uh, look for the Pat Podcast, and uh, I look forward to sharing more things with you guys in the future. Thank you for watching. Farewell. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.